Sometimes it's necessary to get back to basics, to clean up your house, to make your bed, set things in a right direction again. And that's what Sashin affords us at many different levels, on many different levels. When we begin, when we come together, we're all these little individual organisms trying to find our way within a larger group. Choicelessly, we practice together, chant together, and as the week progresses, we coalesce together. We coalesce as one moving, chanting, sitting, working group. I find it quite remarkable, and I would recommend just basking in the gentle energy that holds us all together. And it's quite perceptible, quite palpable, as we sit silently in the zendo or chant together at meals. So enjoy this energy that we create. We've opened up with very fun, fundamental practices or attitudes changing. And those are of generosity and gratitude. We've talked a lot about generosity, but I'm going to just review a minute. Generosity is the quality of being kind and generous. Generous means being willing or having readiness to give more of something. So it never says of what, but more, to give more, be willing and ready. And in our language, this, this word comes from a Latin word meaning noble or magnanimous. And so we, it really, the original word is a means of noble birth. Not noble like a royalty, but the characteristics of a noble birth are courageous, magnanimous, and not mean. I like that, not mean. So that's what our word of generosity means, the English word. And in dana, the Sanskrit or Pali word, connotes a virtue of generosity. And it's in Hindu and Buddhism, Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism, Sikhism, dana is the practice of cultivating generosity. It's an ancient practice, tracing way, way back. It's often said, nothing comes to you except through the kindness of others. To practice Dana Paramita is to bring the truth of this statement into our lives in a vital way. Now, gratitude. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful and a readiness to show appreciation for and return kindness. It comes from a Latin word meaning pleasing and thankful. And some of the words we have for gratitude are gratefulness, thankfulness, thanks, appreciation, recognition, acknowledgement, credit, regard, respect, sense of obligation, and indebtedness. And some of those words may have, you may have some reactivity around, such as, I don't want to be indebted to somebody. I don't want to be 
obliged or beholden. But reactivity can be a valuable teacher. And I was reactive to the word gratefulness when we said our, um, this session was going to be gratefulness session. I was kind of like reactive to that. I don't like that word. <laughs> Seems silly, huh? No. So I, I thought about. I thought it was strange, and so I looked at it a little more closely. So, at some time, or sometimes in my life, I had been called ungrateful, as we probably all have. And we don't need to chase down the genesis every little thing, every thread that comes into our lives. But sometimes. And sometimes this chase can just be going down a rabbit hole. But sometimes it is um, a good explanation, a good little insight into what, where your attitudes have come from. So this ungratefulness came up. It has come up several times. And so it was a, a striking memory I had from when I, maybe I was six or seven years old. And I wanted a specific gift for Christmas, and I didn't get it. And I'm sure I made some kind of a fuss. And my mother took me aside, separate from everyone else. She, that was very kind of uncommon. Um, and in no uncertain terms, let me know that it was fortunate that we had any Christmas gifts, and we should be grateful for whatever was given to us. And I don't know how I actually dealt with that as a six or seven-year-old, but it made a lasting impression that I should be grateful for whatever is given. And I kind of thought that was the end of the story. And I could weave some more things into it, but it's really, maybe I don't have such a strong desire for things, I don't know, if, or it just opened my mind to something else as a child that there's more to Christmas, really. Maybe I should look other places than gifts. But then I remember I, was, I read this writing my, that my mother had, and it was um, a question in her women's um, church group. And the question was, what is your best Christmas and what was your worst Christmas? And she had written this, and I somehow read it as an adult. I was quite, as, you know, I don't know, in my 50s at least. And she said that her worst and best Christmases were the same Christmases. And they were about when she was seven years old, which was that same age that I was. And her mother had died suddenly, just before Christmas. But on the other hand, she got this wonderful doll for Christmas as a gift that she wanted very much. So it ended up that it was the worst Christmas and the best Christmas for her. Her mother had died and the worst, of course, and the best Christmas because of that gift. And I'm sure it caused lots of, you know, emotions, distress in my mom growing up without a mother. And when I was at that same age and saying, thinking so much about the gift, not realizing that I had the gift of a mother, I think that was part of what the story was. It wasn't that I was un 
perhaps ungrateful for the gift, but that I wasn't grateful that I had a mother still alive. And perhaps it's all connected. And the real lesson there was to be grateful for those connections. That I had a mother who loved me. And my mother didn't have that experience. So it's important, and that those experiences pass down from generation to generation. And it's impossible for us to repay the debt that we owe our parents by ordinary means. Of course, you all know without our parents, we would not exist at all. When we're hopeless, helpless, <laughs> our parents protected us and nurtured us. And parents would gladly sacrifice their lives for children, at least we that's the, what we think, and it probably is true, probably without even thinking about it. And even if a parent's not perfect, and of course no parents are, the parent is the co- are the causes and condition that brings us into this world. But it goes a little further than that. We are embodied of all our parents' efforts to raise us, no matter good and bad, indifferent. Without them, we wouldn't have developed the skills we needed in this world. But sometimes we inherit some of the uh, sins of the fathers and mothers. And then it's up to us to make trans- efforts to transform that into good medicine. And when we see with the eyes of gratitude, we can see all the efforts that parents made that their parents made and the parents before them so that we may have and enjoy this life. For some reason, this gratitude, says Sheen, always brings some deep connection with me to my mother. And perhaps our parents are our first Zen teachers. And our lessons come in many forms. Some of them are difficult. Some of them are easier, some of them are filled with loving gratitude, and others are not so much. And it may take us a lifetime to untangle those, but there's a richness there. So how did we learn to be grateful? Or did we? Do we look at it in a negative light, a positive, or a light of negotiation, kind of a quid pro quo? type of transaction. I'm grateful that you did this, so I'll do something. Or you, be, you should be grateful that I did this, so you'll we, we return the favor. Thank yous can just be polite niceties without any true feeling. But we can go deeper, and we can look further. We can look at how, how does gratitude open up this practice. I'm going to just read a little bit from David Wyatt's new book called uh, Consolidations. It's the solace, nourishment, and underlying meaning of everyday words. This is from his book, on, and this is the word gratitude. 
It's not a passive response to something we have been given. Gratitude arises from paying attention, from being awake in the presence of everything that lives within and without us. Gratitude is not necessarily something that is shown after the event. It is a deep, a priori state of attention that shows we understand and are equal to the gifted nature of life. It's very interesting. We're equal to the gifted nature of life. It's a state of attention that shows that we are, that we understand we are equal to the gifted nature of life. Gratitude is the understanding that many millions of things come together and live together and mesh together and breathe together in order for us to take even one more breath, one more breath of air, that the underlying gift of life and incarnation as a living, participating human being is a privilege that we are miraculously part of something rather than nothing. Even if this something is temporarily pain or despair, we inhabit a living world with real faces, real voices, laughter, the color blue, the green of the fields, the freshness of a cold wind, or the tawny hue of a winter sky. To see the full miraculous essentiality of the color blue is to be grateful with no necessity for a word of thanks. To see the fully to see fully the beauty of a daughter's face, to be fully grateful with having to seek a God to thank, to sit among friends and strangers, hearing voices, strange opinions, to intuit inner lives beneath surface lives, to inhabit many worlds at once in this world, to be a someone amongst all other someones, and therefore, to make a conversation without saying a word is to deepen our sense of presence and therefore our natural sense of thankfulness that everything happens both with us and without us and we are participants and witness all at once. Thankfulness finds its full measure in generosity of presence both participation, both through participation and witness. We sit at the table as part of every other person's world without making our own world, without will or effort. This is what is extraordinary and gifted. This is the essence of gratefulness, seeing to the heart of privilege. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving happens when our sense of presence meets all other presence. Being unappreciative might mean we are simply not paying attention.
Being unappreciative might mean we are just not paying attention. So during Sashin, we have plenty of time to pay attention, to open up to what is really here, what we see and feel and touch and smell and taste. Gratitude is an important virtue in the Buddhist teachings. It's often manifested as gratefulness and thankfulness. The Buddha taught that gratitude is a reflection of someone's integrity and civility. The most immense and personal practice of gratitude should be expressed through filial piety. This is from what the Buddha said, being mindful of all wonderful conditions our parents make possible for our very existence, our upbringing, and and every success. By the same token, we should extend our gratitude to our friends, teachers, community, and even the environment. Of course, the environment. (laughs) So filial piety is not something that we, part of our culture particularly, but it is the virtue of respect for one's parents, elders, and ancestors. And we, it's mentioned in many of our chants. So the Buddha taught that gratitude is necessary for integrity. He said, he asked this question, what is the level of a person of no integrity? A person of no integrity is ungrateful and unthankful. This ingratitude, this lack of thankfulness is is advocated by rude people. It's entirely on the level of people of no integrity. A person of integrity is grateful and thankful. This gratitude, this thankfulness is advocated by civil people and is entirely on the level of people of integrity. So maybe people that don't have integrity just aren't aware or present. Now, another interesting part of our tradition and practice um, comes to us through uh, Atisha, the great Indian Buddhist sage who brought Buddhism to Tibet. And he brought along these famous Lojong slogans. And it brings another dimension about gratitude. And this one is slogan 13, which says, be grateful to everyone. He specifically had in mind those individuals who are highly irritating and who bring out the worst in those around them. So often our gratitude is based on um, what we like or want or agree upon. It's easy to be grateful for a wonderful meal and close friends and wonderful surroundings, but how about all the other obstacles the unpleasant people, and the difficulties in our lives. So if you practice these slogans, according to this slogan, we should be especially grateful to having to deal with annoying people, difficult situations. Because without them, how could we practice patience, exertion, mindfulness, loving kindness, or compassion? 
It is by dealing with these challenges that we grow and develop. So we should be very grateful to have all of it. To be grateful to everyone is also about making peace with the aspects of ourselves that we may have rejected or don't like, don't want to look at. Through this, doing this, making peace with those dark parts of ourselves, we can also make peace with people we dislike. Being around people we dislike often is a catalyst for making friends with ourselves. Be grateful to everyone is a great slogan to work with. The slogans you take into everyday life, you can work with them any place. How can I be grateful to this situation or this person? It's a famous prayer, I guess it's in a temple in the East where it says, may I be given the appropriate difficulties so that my heart can truly open with compassion. To, I don't know, that would, it's a hard one to, to ask for. <laughs> may I be given appropriate difficulties so that my heart can truly open with compassion. Gratitude helps develop patience. One of the paramitas, yes, patience. We are able to take the time it takes to actually understand what's going on, be patient with ourselves. And this helps to cultivate gratitude. So gratitude develops patience, and patience develops gratitude. uh, Gratitude is also an antidote to greed. Greed often comes from thinking or feeling that we don't have enough, or at least not as much as everyone else has. Uh, But gratitude turns our mind in a, di- <clears throat> in a different direction and assures us that what we have is enough. Greed and gratitude can't coexist peacefully. Well, I don't know if they can coexist at all. And so gratitude helps mitigate greed. When we actually can say, oh, I have a lot. I have what I need. In instructions to the cook, for the cook, Dogen explored gratitude as an expression of joy. He points out that if we lived in a heavenly realm, we probably wouldn't even think about practice. If we lived in hell, we probably wouldn't, we'd think it's too hard. We can be grateful for exactly where we are and treat each simple meal, as Dogen put it, with an opportunity to feed the three treasures. Buddha Dharma Sangha. So we may, I always feel these different stages. We may be in the heavenly realm within this life and not even think about practice. Then we may think 
we're in a hell realm and not even think it's too difficult. So maybe we've all been in those different realms. But we can be grateful for exactly where we are. I think another interesting um, practice of gratitude that I ran across is, is the practice of gratitude that the Soto nuns in Japan practice. And they, they practice separately from the men, and they practice a more uh, traditional way, I'll say. And this is from a book by Paula Arai, who did an ethnological study on this. She says, although it's not apparent from the daily schedule, language has a tremendous impact on shaping the tenor and quality of life in the Zen nunnery. Indeed, a key to the nun's tendency to interpret or transform negative experiences into positive aspects of their religious discipline lies in a rarely used general conversation, a rarely used, sorry, I lost my place there. Um, it's a, a particular verb, conjugation, commonly heard in their sp speech, but rarely used in regular Japanese society. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> I have to go to another fine place to find the real writings of this. Yes. And it's called gratitude conjugation. I don't know if you remember, if you ever conjugated a verb, I am, I, we are, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> this is gratitude conjugation. The, this conjugation enables you to permeate your verbal expression with sentiments of gratitude. For example, you can respond to the question, what are you doing? with I am, I am profoundly grateful to the universe for having legs and arms strong enough to carry heavy tables up the stairs. <laughs> it says in, in English, this sounds kind of contrived, but in Japanese, it sounds eloquent. It's a whole language uh, known as kaigo. And they use it quite often. And I want another example. is that a person um, at the age of 80, a laywoman recalled the details of a day in 1909 when she was only 12 years old when she went with a nun named Tetsugan, Tetsugani. Tetsugani had taken the girl to see a play. Upon their return to the temple, the nun placed herself in front of her teacher and sat in strict seiza posture with her back perfectly straight Placing both hands on the floor, she bowed deeply and sang in this Kago language, We have returned. I express my humble apology for having left you alone. Due to your deep generosity, we were able to be blessed with an enjoyable experience. We offer up our profound gratitude. And nearly 70 years later, Paula Rai said she too was struck by the grace and strictness of the nun's life 
as this elderly woman recalled the words spoken by Tetsugani, articulating an appreciation of how one's affection, one's action affected others. So using this keigo in daily conversation is a critical part of their training. Understanding interrelatedness is central to the Buddhist concept of wisdom. Living in accord, in accord with this wisdom is the Buddhist compassion. I always think it's very, it's wonderful to look, see how gratitude generates wonder in the world and how easy that can be at times. It's easy to go outside and just be amongst the trees and the woods and the animals and the, wo and the wind and the sky and the stars and the moon. And gratitude just naturally arises. Gratitude for this wonderful earth and this, the wonder of how we're all here together. And this can point directly, gratitude can point directly and generosity to the opening up of our, to the experience of total interconnectedness. Not with just a simple interconnection of everyday life, but with the vast, inconceivable interconnection that we have with the most infinitesimal elements of things, down the, to the very microscopic parts of the universe. It's much like Jogan mentioned with the mycelium network that's underground. We are interconnected with all of this, everything, down to the smallest and then up into the universe, further than we can ever imagine. We are all connected. We're both connected on a micro level and outward on the most macro level that we could even imagine. We can't even imagine, but we can, we can sit in this, in the middle of this great interconnection. We are not separate but a part of this great, great mystery, far beyond, far beyond our conscious understanding. And gratitude is an entrance gate, and generosity is the key. And amongst that intercon great interconnection is the impermanence of all things, the flow of it all. And if you think we're intersecting interconnecting everything and impermanence of everything and the flow is more than we could ever imagine, but we can sit in that flow, be part of it. Sit in the wonder. And then return to the everyday world where we can generate gratitude 
for everything. I often feel I don't have the words to express gratitude. And lots of other people have great words to express gratitude. So I found a few interesting quotes that I'll read. Henry Nowen, Nowen, you know, you might, there's all kinds of different people. Gratitude goes beyond mine and thine and claims the truth that all of life is a pure gift. Meister Eckhart. This is where our gratitude practice came from, I believe, in one way. If the only prayer you say you said was thank you, that would be enough. I remember hearing that for the first time and thinking, how simple. How profound. If the only prayer you said was thank you, that would be enough. Cicero. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. Interesting. The parent of all others. Gratitude, generosity is the first thing that's taught in, in a Buddhist country. Per, first virtue to children. They're taught to give some rice to the monks. Gratitude, generosity. The parent of all others. Maya Angelou said, let gratitude be the pillow upon which you kneel to say your nightly prayer and let faith be the bridge you build to overcome evil and welcome good. Let gratitude be the pillow upon which you kneel to say your nightly prayer. And let faith be the bridge you build to overcome evil and good, welcome good. Rumi says, wear gratitude like a cloak and it will feed every corner of your life. Like that. Wear gratitude like a cloak, and it will feed every corner of your life. Diedrich Bonhoeffer. It's one person I have read about and like, uh, his dilemmas of, of um, ethics. In ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give and it, that it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. It's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. We should all be, we can all easily be rich. Oh, um, of course, A.A. A. Milne. Piglet noticed that even he had a very small heart. It could hold a rather large amount 
of gratitude. Even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. Some, some current people, I didn't know who this person was. They said, Germany Kent is a famous person. I don't know. I don't know politics. And I always say, oh, this is dangerous when you pick somebody's, what they said. But I like what she said. It's a funny thing about life. Once you begin to take note of things you are grateful for, you begin to lose sight of things that you lack. We probably all could have some quotes about gratitude after this session. Everyone has something. I think that would be fun. I think Karen Armstrong, who is a professional bicyclist, racer, um, I think she's in the Olympics. When we focus on gratitude, the tide of disappointment goes out and the tide of love rushes in. That's just a very nice imagery. When we focus on our gratitude, the tide of disappointment goes out and the tide of love rushes in. So can we really express through words our deepest gratitude? Or perhaps we can best express this gratitude through actually embodying gratitude, embodying kindness, embodying thankfulness. What would that look like? And I'd like to add that I have a, a debt of gratitude. I like that phrase. I, it's a phrase I had never heard very often and somehow came up in this Zen practice. Debt of gratitude and appreciation for my journey to this practice and for the practice and for my teachers and for the ancestors, both biological and spiritual, and for all the people that have made it possible for me to be here today. We all have a debt of gratitude to our parents and our teachers. And this gratitude stretches to the beginning of time and further. And we can all attempt to pay these, this debt by appreciating this very life and by passing on these teachings and trying our very best to embody gratitude and kindness and thankfulness. My deep prayer is for all of you, everyone, to find gratitude within yourself, the gratitude of the Buddhas and ancestors, to find that within yourself, because it's there. And then to express it however is appropriate for you with this precious life. Thank you.